Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The inaugural Give Back Trivia Night will take place January 5th. It is hosted at the Moolah Shrine Center. Secure your tables of 10 for just $200 and a significant portion of the proceeds go toward making a positive impact at SSM Health Cardinal Glenn and Children's Hospitals Tree of Hope campaign, which facilitates crucial programs essential to a child's recovery. Reserve your tables now at KMOX.com slash events and be part of this meaningful cause. It is Chris and Amy here on KMOX, and we have had a very busy day today. Um, we we did start things off uh, talking about the city and uh, talking about the upcoming press conference of Gabriel Gore, who is the St. Louis City Circuit Attorney, he held that press conference, and then we had a chance to uh, to speak with him about how the office is doing after his first six months. I think I said in my opening press conference that it was a a job that that we had accepted, where failure was not an option because to fail would mean that the city of St. Louis criminal justice system would fail because the circuit attorney's office plays a critical role in the city of St. Louis criminal justice system. And I would say that the the high level uh, summary of my six month report is that um, I, I do believe we succeeded in restoring the circuit attorney's office office's place in the St. Louis city's criminal justice system and that we, we are now fulfilling that role. Well, I mean, if anything, Amy, he sounds like somebody who's on top of it. And I think at minimum, it's what you can ask for in the city and, and hopefully a little bit better. And it, it sounds like we're at least getting that. Yeah. No, I mean, he's had, as he said, critical help from uh, the St. Louis County prosecutors. I believe he said Warren County prosecutors. Uh, the surrounding counties have offered attorneys to help get through the backlog. And as he said, they've gone through uh, 50 something homicide cases that were backlogged. Obviously, crime is still happening. So they've added 37 homicide cases, but they're working their way through uh, the, these homicide cases and felonies that just were either dismissed or just piling up on desks of prosecutors who weren't there. So I think that that is really critical to see that role. He also said it was appropriate to call it a resetting of the relationship between the circuit attorney's office, his office, and the St. Louis City Police. He also, uh, when I asked him about Kim Gardner's exclusion list, which was uh, kind of in the shadows. You don't you don't know who was on the list or how many people are on the list or why. A Brady list is supposed to be transparent and public. This was not that. Uh, he said that he knows that that list existed, but it has no place. He has nothing. Uh, that that list has no place or function or role at all um, in his office. It's just it's gone. It's out with. Kim Gardner's office. He, he did basically say that things are running more smoothly. I would not expect him to say anything different than that, but it appears that that is exactly what is happening here. 
And um, things move quicker. He mentioned uh, toward the end of the interview that, you know, sometimes uh, when a person first gets arrested and then they make bail, they're, you know, waiting for a trial or whatever to happen. And if the office is dysfunctional, they could be out for a long time. You know, just all kinds of time to go do whatever it is they had done before. And now things are moving a little bit more quickly. So will we start to see it in the data when they start to really collect that and report what the crime statistics are? I would think so. Or or conversely, like you said, you could have criminals who are out there for a long time. You can also have those who've been charged with crimes languishing in jail. Yeah, waiting for a trial. Waiting for a trial. and. Uh, neither of those things are good. We talked to Meredith Sinclair also because it is the holiday season. and uh, We think we talked we, to we her. Talked to, we're pretty sure we did. Uh, <laughs> we, we talked to Meredith Sinclair, who is a lifestyle author and had all kinds of great gifts, gift ideas. And she mentioned a thing that I had not heard of before uh, called kid alting. Kid, you know kid, kid alting. Kid alting. Well, There's I think- this new trend of like kid alting, they call it, which is making things for grown-ups that tap into their playfulness. And we all, it, we actually need play mm-hmm. it for our well-being. We really do. It doesn't just. It's not just for children. As we get older, it is really beneficial for our mental health, our you know our physical health, our emotional health. So it is really important. So what she said is we could play with toys. Yeah, I think so. And I, it's, it's um, good for us. And you're right, kidulting. I I thought maybe it was kidulting. Kid, kidulting, but I think it's kidulting. There's this new trend of like kidulting. Well, kidulting. maybe maybe it is. Kid-alting. At any rate, I don't and the know. reason why we joked about talking to Meredith Sinclair is because there was someone else also involved with Meredith Plays at MeredithPlays.com. Named Meredith. Named Meredith. Different person. Meredith Saunders. Different person, but I believe it's the same. It's got to be. Her website is (laughs) MeredithPlays.com. And if you want to go back, and you should, Mm -hmm. listen to the interview. If you're looking for some interesting gift gift ideas for a child that's not necessarily uh, Grand Theft Auto, um, which would also be great. Can't wait till that comes out. GTA 6, baby. Uh, Like a year and a half or something. Anyway, uh, if you want to get something educational, beneficial to to help your kid's brain develop, Mm -hmm. Then go back and listen to the interview with Meredith Sinclair on the Odyssey app. What I got for one year for Christmas, which helps, you know, an educational gift. Uh, This was back in the day when we had CD-ROMs in our computer. Love a good CD-ROM. Oh, man. I had an unabridged dictionary. Uh, It was on two CD-ROMs. That's how unabridged it was. And uh, I got that, and that was awesome. Have you ever read the book Moby Dick? I have not. Act- wait, 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 wait. I did in high school. We had to you read You read it. the whole thing or did yeah. you read key, key excerpts? No, we read the whole thing. Okay. It's so, long as hell. Yeah. So I've read, obviously, my favorite uh, century for literature is 19th century literature. And what's crazy is I've read excerpts of Moby Dick, but I've not read the whole thing. So I asked for it for Christmas. How old were you? No, I, today. Oh, today you yes. asked for it. Yes. Okay, okay. I was going to say. The let's... dictionary I got, I think I was 11 or 12. Wow. But it was like CD-ROMs, and you had to, you had, I don't know where the break was, L's maybe, but you had to switch out the CD-ROM to get to the other half of the alphabet. Executive Vice President of the American Farm Bureau Federation joined us about the farm bill, which needs to get passed. At least they say so. A lot of times we call it the food and farm bill because it's, it's really the, the principal piece of federal policy that affects the United States food supply and uh, you know, that extends beyond our agriculture industry, beyond farmers. So yeah, you're right. A lot of people think that it, 
that it's about farming uh, maybe only matters to farmers, but it really matters to everybody because because it uh, it affects the whole food supply chain. And when we go to the grocery store or go to a restaurant, uh, that that's partly in, uh, as a result of the farm bill. This could be a little bit out of my pay grade, but I, I did ask a little bit about the data and how much consensus or pushback or agreement there is regarding all of the different titles in the farm bill because according to the Cato Institute, 68% of subsidies for farming go to the top 10% of farms. So pretty big farms. And I'm not saying big farms are bad. It's just, I imagine there are little farmers out there too that need help. I'm not sure how that distribution works. I'm also, when you call something the food and farm bill, my initial response is, well, you got to vote for it. I love farmers and food. And so it sounds positive, like we were saying with with the Patriot Act. You want to be patriotic. I just, it's a little bit above my pay grade to break it down, but I'd be interested in the economics of it because there are other countries that have subsidized farming significantly, especially since the 1930s, when these big farm bills started, Yeah, and right? they, this did start in 1930, I think, the very first one was yes, passed. Yes, so necessary at that time, but as things have changed, um, New Zealand started phasing out farm subsidies in the 1980 and made it a little bit, made farming kind of like any other business. And what they found is in New Zealand, it helped farming and increased it. Again, out of my pay grade, but whenever you have a giant bill like this, I I don't necessarily think you can divide it down and say, well, it's all good or all bad. Right. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's bloat. I mean, yeah. there there is pretty much in every bill. And I would be curious, and this is not something that I have ever done a deep dive on. Right, I did, that's it's, I mean. it's, it's a little out of my pay grade, you, you but just, when you look at it. You take it for granted. You know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, they'll pass it. They'll get it done and whatever. And, yeah, they're getting subsidies and maybe more than they should sometimes. I don't know. Um, but I would be curious to know if, you know, the United States being the United States, it would just be more difficult to have as robust of a farming mm apparatus as we do without this without farm bills and without all of that you so, know I, I don't know 314-436-7900 if you are a farmer because i would be interested you know is i get it new zealand's not the united states right right, right, right. they don't have the the same uh agricultural cultural diversity whatever it may be uh as the united states does it doesn't have the size so when you look at the 1980s and how new zealand phased out farm subsidies and it benefited them. Is that an anomaly? And how do you feel about the farm bill? Hey, uh, look at this. Representative Patrick McHenry, who was the, uh, what do they call it, the interim House Speaker the for a minute? guy. Yeah, he's retiring at the end of his term. No kidding. Yeah, the big the big gavel, the little guy with the big gavel. Yeah, oh. he's retiring at the end of his term, him and his huh. bow tie. Uh, we want you to go and get the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, where you can listen to the show live and Cardinals baseball live. Mm-hmm. And uh, get our podcasts later if you missed anything and all those great interviews, including that with Gabe Gore, the circuit attorney. Go back and listen to it. By the way, we're going to talk to Matt Pauley about what's happening at the winter meetings and with the Cardinals at the bottom of the hour. But next, we're all paying attention to the Sackler family, that opioid family, you know, the Purdue Pharma people. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a Supreme Court uh, arguments were heard yesterday. They'll make a decision probably next summer. But we're going to talk over what happened yesterday with Thane Rosenbaum, our legal analyst, next on KMOX. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Back to the Quiver River Electric guest line and CBS News legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum is joining us uh, this afternoon. We appreciate your time, Thane. How are you? I'm fine, Chris. Nice hearing your, both of your voices, Amy. Well, thank you. It's good to hear your voice. It is good to hear your voice. <laughs> Listen, we have a um, situation in the Supreme Court. Yesterday, arguments were heard regarding the Sackler family, um, the Purdue Pharma fa- family that was instrumental in the opioid crisis that we have suffered in this country, and people have died, people have gotten sick. What they wanted, essentially, was to be free of any other future lawsuits because they're trying to protect their fortune. So uh, break down what happened for us yesterday during those arguments. So, uh, Chris, that's the deal that they cut. You know, that settlement has already, you know, that it's left the dock. Uh, they originally said we'll put, we'll contribute $4 billion uh, into a settlement fund that can be used for victim compensation and for treatment in facilities for the creation of drugs that deal with overdoses compensate cities and Native Indian American tribes for the costs associated with the opioid addiction uh, crisis. Uh, and the 50-state attorneys general rejected the $4 billion, uh, and so did the victims. They all rejected it. So the Sacklers said, all right, okay, $6 billion. We'll give you two more billion. And they accepted that. All right. But they said, but I want a, I want a blank, I want a clear re- release. You nobody can ever sue a Sackler again. Now, why is that? Because before the the crisis hit its end, they were pulling money out of the corporation. Remember, corporations are designed so that they're their own separate entities. So the people who are shareholders are not responsible for the debts of the corporation itself. So they were just take, sifting money out of there, and apparently they're worth eleven billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, in the end, they're so so, and they're saying. We'll give you six, but six means we will never see a lawsuit associated with OxyContin again. And so the Supreme Court was in a tough bind. What, what's the bind? Well, bankruptcy is set up for the purpose of giving you a fresh start. That's the purpose. And normally, in order to get to go through, reorganize financially through bankruptcy, you have to put all your cards on the table. You can't hide a painting or a Maserati. You can't have money overseas. You can't have billions of dollars. So this this deal that they cut fundamentally rejects the the basic concept of a uh, of, of bankruptcy, except for one thing. Ready? The Sacklers are saying we're not bankrupt. The company's bankrupt. We don't have to hold to that principle. We cut a deal, and that's the deal that we're going to accept. We're not going to accept any deal. So what was before the Supreme Court is. The Justice Department tried to block this, and the states and this, many of the individuals are saying, don't block this because we need the money. We need it now. And if you block this, we're going to have to start all over. And so the real question was, was there something in the bankruptcy code? That's what the court needed to know. 
that would allow a third party like the Sacklers to receive lifetime immunity by being the owners of a corporation that went bankrupt. That's really the legal issue. Okay, when you brought up, when you just said just now the $11 billion, you were saying that's what Purdue was worth? No, that's what the Sacklers that's what the, have. That's what the Sacklers have. So the, the Some of it is offshore, has. right? That's part of the problem? Yeah. yeah. I think they're offshore, uh, Chris. I'm not even sure they <laughs> live here. Yeah. I think they're okay. gone. I think, you know, and I, I could be wrong about they took $11 million. It's possible that some of that – no, I think it's $11 billion. It's $11 billion. I was going to say some of it may have gone into that $6 billion. I don't think so. I okay. think that, you know – so, you know, that's really what the Supreme Court had to deal with. And what was interesting was that this thing was created an enormous amount of conflict among the justices and not along ideological grounds. So you saw weird stuff like Katanji Brown-Jackson and Kavanaugh. On the same side. What? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Right. And, you know, uh, Kagan was on another side with another conservative justice. And you can just tell, you know, you never know. When they ask questions, it doesn't mean they'll vote that way. Sometimes they ask questions in order to make a point to another justice because they know that justice needs to be swayed. But it did seem like they are in favor of approving the bankruptcy reorganization and releasing the Sacklers. Uh, it won't be unanimous, but it seemed to me that that's where the vote is ultimately going to go. And that's what the state wants. Now, it's what most victims want, except for some victims, right? Some victims go say the following. They say, I need this money. I lost my husband. I lost my son. I lost whatever it is, or I lost my life through addiction. But I cannot stomach the idea that the Sacklers got $11 billion and they're, they're in a yacht someplace. Mm. And I'm prepared to wait. Because I want to go after everything. There are some people who feel that, and they and they they could be right morally. Yeah, I, I can't say that I I would or would not do that. I might I might have the spite in me to go after him and to just wait it yeah. out. I, I might be able to. It's almost like yeah. is the grief, you know, the grief or the the injustice of it all are yeah. battling within you. That, that, that yeah. is absolutely yes. the grossest yes. thing about this is that mm-hmm. these people, no matter what, are still going to walk away with billions of dollars, mm-hmm. and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely and disgusting. And, Chris, it's disgusting because they knew what was happening. Yeah. They saw the writing on the wall. They're going to go, people are starting to realize that this is an addiction. <laughs> yeah. We kept saying, it's not addictive. Oh, not It's the best. It takes away your pain, and it's not addicting. How is that not the best drug ever invented? And we invented it. I, I always think— and so they kept— Yeah, go ahead. They, no, no, I'm, I'm just—I'm thinking about this and, and what they did. The things that we decide to, as a country, get mad about— and this is the kind of thing we should all be infuriated about. This is I a know. thing we should be pissed about. Some of the stuff we decide to get mad about is dumb. This is not. Yeah, this is something. And actually, this is like something you could really talk about, you know, that people could understand regardless of political ideology. Right. Yep. There's just right. something about fundamental fairness. What's right is what's right. And economic need. Right. Because who am I to say that these family members that are willing to take pennies on the dollar, but they need it right now, right? Or, yeah. you know, who am I to say? 50 attorneys attorneys general. I mean, every single state was represented by their state attorney general. They all signed on. So the court was – one issue is why would the Justice Department uh, 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 muddy up the waters, jam the gears, 
you know, what interest does the Justice Department have to sue uh, to sue in order to overturn this bankruptcy organization? And that was another issue that the court was grappling with. Right. Who's yeah. it's not like it was one of the family members that said we will be the lone holdout. By the way, there were people like that with 9-11 when they created the Victims Compensation Fund. The vast majority of survivors uh, or victims actually took money from the victim compensation fund. But there was a category of people in, in the hundreds, I think, that said, no, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't think this is fair. We don't like it. We don't like the fact that it didn't create a historical record. We don't like the fact that our own loss, that our, our child, who is the fireman, gets less money than the stockbroker because my son was running up the stairs to get the stockbroker and my son was killed. And just because he didn't make that much money, his wife receives much less money under yeah. the formula. And so anyway, I'm just saying it, it's not the first time that people, no. you know, object. But you're right, Chris. This is one of those that would have, you know, galvanized the nation. Thane Rosenbaum, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. CBS News legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum with us here on KMOX. Got Dude. some passion there. Out of him? Everybody, yeah, yeah I mean, this I just, conversation. It, it's, it's, like, it's crazy, like you said, it's not political. No, the stuff we choose to get mad about, Man. that it, they literally killed people. They killed uh. people and ruined lives, and they get billions as a, as a punishment. It's disgusting. Uh, Matt Pauley, he's not. He's great. He's next on KMOX. We feel pretty good about where our rotation is right now. Um, we do th- think, if, if possible, you know, deploying resources to help bolster the bullpen might be more important at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't want to like put myself in a corner or the organization in a corner because something may present itself that makes sense. President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak yesterday addressing the media as the first day of the winter meetings in Nashville, Tennessee began. We're in day two now. And we go to the Quiver River Electric guest line this afternoon. Our guys, sports open line host and pre- and post-game coverage for the Cardinals, Matt Pauley, joins us from the winter meetings in Nashville. Matt, you uh, just heard from Mosaic. I know you heard that yesterday. What are your thoughts when you hear him say that they feel pretty comfortable with the rotation? I think in a perfect world, you would add another top two starter. Uh, But at the same time, I think what they've done with the rotation, all of a sudden the rotation is no longer the number one priority. I would agree with him that cleaning up relief pitching and cleaning up the roster overall, which goes back to the the Tyler O'Neill situation, I think those things are a little bit more important. Uh, But I, I continue to say that if they were playing a playoff series tomorrow, I would not be overly comfortable with the rotation the way it is set right now. Okay, that was my question. Just as a fan, I'm not an insider. Just as a fan, I'm not comfortable with the rotation. I don't know a lot about baseball, but when I look at the when I look at their rotation, I don't say, "Yep, we're going to win a World Series with that." Is that just me being ignorant? No, I don't think so. I, I think that's fair. I I do. Th- this is where I want to tread a little bit carefully because I. I feel like there's this kind of sunny gray slander that's been going on since the announcement that he that he was signed. 
this is a guy who came in second in the AL Cy Young Award voting last year. He can be a legit number one if he repeats what he did last year. He, he can stand up with just about any pitcher in baseball, and that's great. The only difference is he's not that guy who's going to go face an order a third time or a fourth time through. He's kind of a two-time through uh, kind of guy, but th- that's all right. He can be really... Um, he can be really good doing that. I think it's that next group, just when you look at Miles Michaelis and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and, and Steven Matz, none of those guys really differentiate themselves out from the other where you feel very comfortable with who whoever your second starting pitcher would be, say, in a playoff series. And I know he said that uh, essentially what he's saying there is things could change, you know, that some deal could come up and it might make a whole lot of sense for them. If you had to handicap it, the – the 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 thought that they are probably done here done done with the rotation this is what they're going to go into spring training with what percentage would you put that at not including like them bringing in like a flyer swingman sort of guy like like legit an impact in, yeah okay yes right, no no more sure impact yeah no more impact acquisitions I would say eighty five to ninety percent chance that's the case that that this is it. This is it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people want to hear that. Because, just for the same reasons you mentioned, and clearly they are better. They improved. I don't think you can um, – there, there are no two ways about it. The rotation is better. It's just a matter of what we were expecting. Do we want them to get a whole lot better or just a little bit better? And it might all play out well for them, Matt, in 2024. It's just you, you kind of want to go in with a little bit more confidence. Yeah, at times it feels like the rotation has been built for the regular season because all five of these guys can win you any given game over the course of 162. It's about having that high-end pitching in the postseason. I think that's what we're talking about. People who are really upset about this rotation based off regular season expectations and saying that this team can't win a division with this rotation, things like that, I, I would disagree with that. Uh, I think this 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 group is fine for the regular season. This group can go out and, and win any given game. Uh, it's about having that high-end pitching in the postseason. And the good thing about that is there's a whole lot of time between now and the trade deadline. He mentioned the bullpen and that he thinks if there are any resources used, it's going to be that direction. And like we said, that could change. What direction would they go in terms of of bullpen help? Are we talking about any, for relievers anyway, significant money involved here? Oh, money. Sorry. Yeah. The word after significant was important. Um, uh, No. Uh, like significant money, they're not signing Josh Hader. If that's if the, you know they're they're significant money for you, that's that's not the type of money they're gonna spend. Now, uh, is, is there a high paid relief pitcher that's available on the trade market that maybe gets involved in like a Tyler O'Neill trade? I, I think that's possible. Yesterday, Mosellock said that there's two things they're looking for in a relief pitcher. They're looking for guys who can give them leverage. So we're talking close game, seventh, eighth, ninth. He made it very clear he's not talking about closer that Ryan Helsley is the guy, that they're not in the closers market, but they are in the leverage market. So close games, final three innings, uh, they're going to be looking for that. And then they're also going to be looking for relief pitchers that there's some club control on and some uh, just so that if – with, especially with relief pitchers, guys are up and down and up and down all season long. If there's an opportunity to go find one of those guys that has options remaining who can impact things positively at the big league level while still being optioned down, that's something that they'd be looking at as well. All right. As we knew, the Cardinals will be bringing back Yadier Molina that's been official for a while now. 
that he's going to be um, a, a consultant coach. They really haven't figured out what his exact role is going to be. John Mosellock talking about that yesterday. What do you think it will ultimately be for him in 2024? Yeah, I think he's going to be a guy who spends time with the club during spring training. I, I think he'll visit the team kind of whenever he wants to during the season. I'm hopeful that maybe he gets a visit into uh, some of the minor league affiliates over the course of the year. It was kind of funny when John Mozalak was talking about this last night because you know, Yachty has spoken publicly about being back and referred to himself as a special advisor, but nothing is officially set in stone yet. Most said that the idea is to talk with a Yachty's agent at some point this week and, and put a title on this and put responsibilities on it and do all those sort of things. So uh, Mo was kind of walking on eggshells a little bit because I don't think he wanted to say something that wasn't correct or say something that maybe the Molina side of things weren't expecting but my belief is this is going to be somebody who kind of sets his own schedule he he evidently wants to be uh, with family uh, in Puerto Rico that's something that's still important to him yeah I was talking with Benji Molina he was on the station a lot last week going to this toy drive and I asked him about it and and Benji told me that uh, Yachty at some point in time is going to want to get back into the the grind of being involved in baseball on a day-to-day basis but he's not quite at that point yet still uh, somewhat freshly retired so I, I just get the sense that the Cardinals are going to kind of let him do whatever he wants to do and whatever positive impact he can make on the organization they will let him do just that yeah and I'll be curious to see how he gets used and what sort of impact he can have I mean I just don't I don't I, I, I it'll be nice to have him around I don't know what the real world on the field actual measurable impact is going to be if he's just around, uh, you know, every now and then. But I would be curious to see what he can do if he becomes a manager down the road, which I think he's going to get that opportunity, whether it's here or somewhere else. He's going to become a manager someday. And I don't know, Matt, if you and I have talked about the role of managers, and I think we kind of overstate them sometimes, in fact, a lot when it comes to baseball. But what sort of impact do you think somebody like him would have on a team? Yeah, so I think the modern-day manager is more about the emotional side of things and the player relations side of things and motivating players and making sure players know that uh, – Creating an environment. Yes, yeah, Yeah. culture over everything else. Because I know people don't want to hear what I'm about to say, but you know what? Like the the numbers tell you what the numbers tell you. Like you can you can manage a game by this you know by by the analytics as as they would say, and you're going to be okay. Now there are times for gut reactions, and there are managers do make impacts on games and everything. I'm not trying to completely dismiss it, but the other side of it, the culture, the emotional, the the, the interpersonal, that has become so much more important uh, for a manager. And I think also just creating. Uh, that that competitive edge of never giving an inch, and I think that's the area where Molina is going to be able to really, um, if he can, as a player, that's what he did. I mean, there was no budging for him. If he can get his players to play like that, uh, I think that's where he makes the most impact. All right, Matt, you're at the winter meetings. Klabes is there. I know the winter meetings aren't what they used to be, but any schmoozing going on? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of schmoozing. You, Who have you schmoozed? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a big schmoozer, but uh, okay. you walk, mm. uh, I mean, there is, this is schmooze central. When you get Clay's <laughs> on saw, the next, I think, 
I think Claves. Oh, he's is more, the he's yeah. Shmoo Central. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, he's Senator Shmoo's. He, he's the captain of the Shmoo's team. He really I, is. I feel like such a dork. I'll tell you. So I get done with a sports open line and everything last night, and what do I do? Uh, I go grab a bite to eat, and then I get back to the hotel room, and I write a column that's up on KMOX.com, and I put together a. I cut up all. We talked to Mo for like 30 minutes yesterday. I painstakingly cut up that entire press conference into like 20 cuts, and then created a podcast playing all these things. Uh, it was it was hours of time spent in my hotel room last night, and as I'm doing it, all I'm thinking about is you know all the cool people mm-hmm. are at the hotel bar right now, and I'm yeah. sitting in my room editing audio. Yeah. Well, did you get to go look at the cool people <laughs> from a distance? It's like a zoo. It's yeah. like, you know, there's a glass pane, and yeah. they look at me, and they say, not cool, no. and I say, no, yeah. so They yeah. know what he's yeah. doing. So wait, is You're it- going to pick a fight. Oh, yeah. You've got to be trying to beat somebody up. You just reporters schmooze with reporters? Are you schmoozing with the brass? Of the other teams, other teams, all I mean, teams. I, I, see, I've been in baseball long enough that I know a lot of people, and that's one of my favorite things about the winter meetings is you just you can't walk 10 feet seemingly without seeing somebody that you know. In in the last day, I've seen my general manager from when I was doing AAA baseball in Colorado Springs and uh, my uh, the, the daughter of my former general manager in Burlington, Iowa. So it's just it's <laughs> the relationships that you create over the years, and then you see all these people, and it's the, yeah. it's the best part of the winter meetings. Matt Pauly met a uh, guy I know. Met one of my buddies yes. down there. Who's that? Herb. Herb. Is it Herb. Herb or Herb? It's Herb. Herb. Like Herbert, not Herbert. How did how did you figure out that you knew me? Uh, he, so I have a KMOX banner oh. and he came up and he said, is this Chris Ranji station? And I said, yeah. And he said, <laughs> Tom, Herb says, what up? I said, okay. Herb Very, would say that. Oh, uh, I did. There, there was a uh, there was a minor incident. A minor incident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm going to pick a fight. Tell us about it. Uh, we have a Cardinals Radio Network banner, and I taped it up on the wall behind our broadcast location. And the the nice people here at the Opryland Hotel. I uh, came over to, and it was a, it's a big banner, and yeah. I did like the little, you know, cut off the tape and do a bunch of small little things. It was painstaking to get this darn banner up. It took me probably 40 minutes to get all the tape on there, and a few minutes later, they come up and they tell me, yeah, you can't put anything on the walls. Oh, no. So they so, made you take down your banner? They yeah. made me take down the Cardinal Radio Network banner. Yeah. And That's so it. did you get mad? No, she was very nice. Okay. Because I, the, I wouldn't want you to tape stuff to the, my wall either. Especially with a bunch of little pieces hey, of tape. Yeah, like, what is this idiot doing? I, I probably shouldn't. We're paying like $1,600 for the internet for three days here. We can tape something on a wall. $1, no. $1,600? No, because then that, they got to repaint. Is that so you can broadcast? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a lot of... Internet. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're doing a great job. I'm sorry Thanks. about you your hear, banner. Can you hear the internet right now? Does it sound good? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great, that's buddy. What that's what we're connected on. It sounds really good. Hey, don't be taping yeah. stuff to the walls. Who the hell do you think you are, man? I'm the guy that uh, was we rented out this <laughs> space. How'd you like it if the manager of a Hyatt came to your house and taped a Hyatt banner? Yeah, you wouldn't in your like that, room? would you? If they were renting space, if it was like a B and B, and they mm. want to put something up on the wall, doesn't mean you can do whatever no you want. Well, as long as there's no damage. Well, tape creates damage. Everybody knows this. It did not. It did well, not create. You damage. didn't leave it up long enough because they made you take it down. 
So the Marquee Sports Network people and the uh, A's cast people are right to our right, and they've got the cool pop-up banners. So uh, I took that's pictures what you need. of those yesterday, and I sent them to Ben Boyd, and I said, next year we need to uh, we need to get some of these oh, banners so we yeah. don't, we're it's not ben told to take fault. our banners down. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a Cardinal yeah. Radio Network banner, so yep. if it was a KMOX banner, I uh, I might have sent that to uh, to Steve Moore. Wait, did you say the A's have that? Yeah. The, the, the A's. The, the Oakland, Oakland so A's is, have a nice the, Well, now they're investing because they're do? moving to Vegas. Well, so what the A's do is really cool. It's called A's Cast, and they do like five hours of programming every day. They do like a three-hour show in the morning and then a two-hour show in the wow. afternoon, and they are just going nonstop. That's a, that's a long time. Especially for a city that's not going to have a team. Ouch. Wow. Well, I'm just saying. You're rude. Hey, uh, Matt Pauley, check in with us if something breaks. We'll talk to you tomorrow, but if something happens big, we're going to have you on before, of course. Okay. Matt Pauley, goodbye. <laughs> oh, 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 Wait. sports open line, six to eight. Yes, full two, our only full two-hour edition of the program, and that's going to lead, I believe, into the uh, the Music Awards tonight. So what a great sports night wow. tonight here on KMOX. Fantastic. Talk to you soon, Matt Pauley. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. That is Matt Pauley host of Sports Open Line, and pre- and post-game coverage for the Cardinals right here on KMOX. All right, we got to go. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji. Anything you missed on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or KMOX.com, the podcasts are available. The Dave Glover Show is next. We're going to hang out for an hour right here on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 